In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's talk about communication and productivity. One of the things that is constantly a challenge for managers and for individual contributors, I'm raising my both my hands on this one, is staying focused on what's important. One of the mm-hmm. things that I've observed in my work, uh, and we talked about this on the, pre- on the previous live stream about uh, with the, the Save Warrior and folks, is getting people to focus on the things that are important, that are going to move the, the needle and, and we'll push the ball down the field, whatever analogy you want to use, um, and not get distracted by either shiny objects or things that are emotionally impactful but not results impactful, you know, drama and gossip and the rumor mill, things that you experience in the office all the time. So, Katie, when it comes to managing people, when it comes mm-hmm. to being a, a, a good leader, how do you help people stay focused, particularly if you have all this emotionally interesting drama over here, but you have the dry but boring but yet incredibly important results-oriented work over here? Well, I do have to say part of me misses the uh, emotionally interesting drama of working in a larger office because, you know, at Trust Insights, it's me, you and John, and we don't have the emotionally interesting drama uh, anymore, which is a good thing. It does help us stay focused. But uh, I say, the, the question- most drama we have is whatever John had to fix in his rental apartments. <laughs> That's right. Like, you pulled a what? Out of the <laughs> um. Right, but we're not like at each other's throats or gossiping behind our backs. And so I would say, you know, first and foremost, you have to acknowledge that it's going to happen. You have to acknowledge, and this is why I manage people and not you, uh, Chris, is that you have to acknowledge that we're human and that this is going to happen. And so where I've seen a lot of managers go wrong is to try to decree that you're not allowed to gossip, you're not allowed to have feelings, you're not allowed to interact with your coworkers unless it is work-related. And that is, it's like telling a little kid they can't do something. And then they're like, oh, well, I'll show you. I'm going to go do it anyway. And I'm going to do it five times worse than I was going to do the first time. I did this as a kid. My dad said, you can't climb that tree. So immediately I went over, climbed the tree, fell out, broke my elbow. Because he said, you can't do it. I'm like, I'll show you. I'm five years old. And so it's the exact same thing when you are in a workplace environment or any kind of environment where you have a group of people, a community, a workforce, a team. Naturally, people are going to have emotions about things. Uh, People are going to sometimes not get along. They're going to have conflict. You just have to acknowledge that this is going to happen. So that's the first thing is one, you know, don't pretend it's not going to happen or don't try to enforce that it can't happen or you can't acknowledge it. Like telling your coworkers you're not allowed to talk to each other about your weekends or after work plans because it's not productive is absolutely going to kill morale. So that's number one. Number two is knowing that it's going to happen. You have to set aside time to deal with it, to allow people to indulge in it a little bit, but put guardrails around it. So if you think about, you know, we as humans, we have a lot of emotions and, you know, for good or ill, a lot of us will say, I can't deal with this right now. I'm just going to have to bury it and deal with it later. But later never comes. And then whatever has been bubbling up inside of us manifests itself in very unhealthy ways. The same is true of workplace drama and gossip and conflict and emotions. You're just dealing with more individuals. And so you have to set aside time to allow people to 
indulge in the gossip or indulge in the emotions or whatever the thing is and then rein them back in because they have to get it out of their system it's it's uh healthy to do so but you as the manager need to make sure that you're putting those parameters and guardrails in place to keep it healthy how do you do that though when people are emotionally engaged with it but it's Mm -hmm. counterproductive like it's you can see it's actually physically harmful to their own mental well-being um in in this particular example there's there's obviously the 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 group of folks who are working you know working on the campaign and then there's this whole group of people outside uh, a bunch of which well not a bunch but a few of which are trolls right they're just there's non-productive human beings but they create a lot of drama even though if you look from a data perspective, which is what I always do, and you see like, wow, this person is so unimportant that I'm, you know, their, their keyboard is probably covered in Cheeto dust uh, because they never leave their desk and they never actually see other human beings in real life. And so you have these troublemakers who are even outside the organization. Imagine like, you know, uh, just a small set of really bad customers that you can't just kill. Um, and the, But it's impacting the productivity and the mental well-being of your team. How do you help your team focus? Not to say you know, like you're not allowed to feel things, but more like right. these people over here are really bad for you and they're really unimportant. Could we try paying less attention to them? It's going to be a different solution for every individual. And that's where management of people gets really, really hard because there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Um, You know, so Chris, if we take you, for example, I know you well enough to know, like, if you uh, step on stage, and you give a talk about something, and then you get your speaker feedback, 99% of it is going to be positive. And then you're going to have that one person who's going to say, I hated it, I didn't get it. I know you as an individual are going to look at that one person and go, "Eh, they don't matter. Someone else who isn't you, maybe me, perhaps, or someone who isn't as self-assured or confident might skip over that 99% glowing review and focus only on that one and say, why does this person hate me? Why does this one person, what do I need to do to win over this one person? And it doesn't mean that that's what you need to do. You don't need to win that person over, but you as the manager need to recognize that that's the train of thought going through your team member's head and say, okay, I know if this one person gets this one piece of negative feedback, regardless of the other glowing positive things that are happening, they're going to fixate on that negative. And that's where you as the people manager, not as a therapist, let's be clear, you have to draw those boundary lines. You also need to be comfortable saying, perhaps this isn't appropriate for me to help you deal with, but I'm acknowledging that this is something that needs to be dealt with, but I am not the person to help you because I am not a licensed therapist. You know, I am not, you know, your best friend. I am your coworker, whatever the situation is. But, you know, back to the point of you need to understand what is likely happening and then, you know, say to your team member, hey, so Chris, you know, I thought you did a really outstanding job with that talk that you gave on stage. Can you help me understand why you're not feeling so great about it? This opens up the conversation for the other person to say, well, you know, I thought I did really good too, but you know, this one person, Katie, just totally tore me apart and told me that, you know, I just, I really sucked wind and that, you know, it was completely unuseful and I worked so hard at it. As a manager, that's your cue to say, okay, I hear you. I understand and I acknowledge 
that this one person made you feel really crappy and then you start to explore like what would you like to do about it is it something that like you want to work harder at do you want to go after this person so starting to understand where that individual's head is at and this is when it gets harder to do at scale so i'm talking about an interaction one-on-one if i have a team of 30 people and i have to do this interaction one-on-one this is where people management gets really really tricky and where a lot of companies do it poorly because they just mass manage they have here's the one solution for everybody and if you have feelings too bad go to take it to hr oh we let hr go six months ago all right well go for a hike oh we don't give you that personal time off anymore well good luck sucker And so that's where a lot of companies fail to acknowledge that each individual person is going to have a different reaction to the same situation. And so when we were uh, working at the agency, Chris, 100% of my time was spent managing the team. 80% of that was spent managing the team's emotions to help keep them productive, to remind them, to refocus them. And that's why you need to have a people manager, not just like a technical manager or individual contributors. I feel like I'm sort of rambling, but I hope I'm getting to a point. Because I I understand that fixation, right? That fixation when you get one piece of negative feedback is essentially it's a threat response biologically. And biologically, Mm -hmm. we are wired to pay more attention to threat responses than we are to positive responses. Because if it's a threat response, like, you know, in the old days when we were just you know, wandering around the plains of Africa, we're like, oh, shit, that's a threat response. There's a zebra that's, you know, that's got five horns. Run. Um, zebras don't have horns. <laughs> Not that I know of. <laughs> um, but as a result, we evolved so that greater priority is given to threat responses. Well, today, you know, that negative feedback on a speaker form still triggers the same biological cascade of events. But we're not actually under threat, right? That person who gave me negative feedback on my uh, speaking evaluation, whatever, is not you know holding a loaded gun at my head that I know of. And so how do you help somebody transcend that to say, okay, I understand what's going on and what's going on is, is perfectly understandable because it's mm-hmm. wired in your biology. But mm-hmm. how do you then help that person make a healthy transition to say, okay, we acknowledge that this is the case, but here's what you can do to work around. Here's some ways to, to possibly work around that to, to say, okay, let's defuse the threat response somehow and get you back on track. Depending on the person and what they have going on personally, you may not be able to. Because again, it's people manager. Let me sort of step back. People managers, good people managers are sympathetic and empathetic and want to help people. They are basically uh people who decided not to pursue you know psychology and decided to pursue management instead Uh, i'm one of those people the key to success with a people manager is knowing that you can't help everybody it's the same thing with being a therapist and so in that situation you may not be able to help that person move past the situation and what you need to be able to do is have the awareness to recognize the limitations of your skills as a people manager, but also the healthy boundaries and emphasis on boundaries with a capital B of you being able to help this person. You cannot heal their trauma. You cannot, you know, be their therapist because that is not your role. And that is a dangerous road to go down if you are not 
a licensed therapist. And so you may be trying to, you know, you think you're helping out a friend. Well, they're your coworker. They, you might be friendly with them. You might be friends with them outside of work. But I am emphasizing three more times boundaries, 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 because you may be trying to help them, but inadvertently giving them unhelpful, unhealthy advice. But you don't know that because you're not a trained professional. And so I wanted to emphasize that. But back to your question. You can do exercises that are within sort of the scope of your job of being a people manager, you know, okay, so Chris, it sounds like the this person's feedback really bothered you. Maybe we do an exercise where we pretend that, you know, I'm the person who gave you the bad feedback. What would you want to say to me? And let them get it out of their system and say, okay, great. Can we move on from this now? Or do you still, are you still holding on to those negative emotions? Or do you feel like this feedback impacts other parts of your work? You aren't able to be as productive. And so it's really, it's less of you providing solutions and more of you helping the other person come to their own solutions as long as they stay transparent with you about what those solutions are and that they're healthy and productive. But let me emphasize one more time, healthy boundaries with a capital B. There are limitations for you as a people manager of what you can and can't help someone with. So in this situation, how do you also prevent contagion? So one of the things mm-hmm. that tends to happen is when one person sort of spirals yep. in cases and we saw this you know with our old team as well they kind of drag out the people along with them that's it's hard because we're pack animals you know we we find our communities we stick together we want to support and so you know let's say for example chris you know this one piece of negative feedback has you spiraling and you start confiding in john and saying john like i'm really having a hard time with this and john you know, not realizing sort of the bigger picture is like, you know what? Yeah, that guy really is a jerk. I can't believe that they gave you this piece of feedback and they are trying to be supportive, but really what they're doing is fueling that negative uh, self-talk of, yeah, that guy really is the worst. And so you go from being self-pitying to being really angry and ragey and like, okay, I got to get this guy. I have to show everybody that I am better than this guy thinks I am. And to your point, Chris, this guy is inconsequential. Their feedback is one of a thousand, one of a million. You know, it doesn't matter because it's one person's opinion and not everybody is going to like you. And so the way to help stop that contagion is to, again, sort of back to the beginning, acknowledge that it's likely going to happen and sort of setting those ground rules with your team on a regular basis of we're human, we have emotions shit happens, we're going to feel things about it. But let's make sure that we are finding time and space to talk about it collectively and productively. And then we can try to let go of it. And if you can't let go of it, if you're still struggling with it, then let's find other solutions. But one of the things we don't want to do is, you know, bring down our other team members or involve them in things that they don't necessarily need to be involved in. Now, I'm saying all of this knowing that it's never going to work that way knowing that everyone's going to go behind my back as the manager and be like katie's such a nerd i can't believe she thinks that we're not going to talk about this we're not going to talk about our salaries we're not going to talk about her you know i absolutely 100 percent acknowledge that that was happening and going to happen 
But my job is to hold the line and keep repeating, this is what my expectations of you are as the team, that you will not bring these conversations to other people. But then you also need to help them understand, if you start to bring these conversations to other team members, here are the negative consequences, not like a slap on the wrist, not like a reprimand, but here are the negative consequences. We then start to be less productive with our clients. If we're less productive with our clients, we can no longer service them as well. If we can't service them as well, they will fire us. If our clients fire us, that means that we will no longer have a need for you at this company. And not in a threatening way, but helping people understand the ripple effect of spreading gossip, basically. you know. And so if you keep people unfocused and unproductive, then it's going to have negative impact. The flip side of that is then you say, here's what we can focus on. Here's all the positive productive things. So you need to not only show them what's negative, but you need to offer them the alternative of almost, I hate to even say it, like, here's the shiny objects over here that you can focus on. Here's the things that you can be passionate about, the things that you can delve into that aren't, you know, unhealthy like this thing over here. Oh, that makes total sense. That's something that, you know, I've certainly seen play out with varying degrees of success depending on the person uh, throughout mm-hmm. my career. Uh, and and it, is, it is one of those things that's like sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. And it's not even that it, it, it does or doesn't help on a person basis, but even just on a situational basis. Some things mm-hmm. people resonate, resonate with people, some it, it, it doesn't, but it's, it, it's annoyingly complicated. Uh, my first instinct is just commission some drones to go deliver high explosives to the person's house but apparently only ron perlman can say that (laughs) yeah no and this is the thing and you know it's i'm gonna keep repeating it because it's so important that you can't help everybody period and you shouldn't because there's boundaries to be respected in terms of you know the type of advice that you're giving someone if you recognize that you're giving someone advice that goes beyond the scope of the job that you're doing. That's when you have to say, am I crossing that boundary line? Am I possibly doing more harm than good, even though my intentions are really, really, you know, good and I want to help them, but I don't know if I'm actually helping them. I don't know if I'm feeding their negative thoughts or if I'm helping them get out of it because I'm not a trained professional. Does that get complicated if someone is a trained professional? (laughs) How so? Suppose like you, you know, you as a, as maybe as a CEO or a CM or whatever in your past, you were, maybe that was a, a job that you held. So in that sense, you know, you need to be upfront and sort of, it's a different skill set. It's a different context. So let's say, Chris, for example, you know, you were really struggling with this one piece of feedback and you said, Katie, I just, I can't move on from this thing. You know, if I had been a licensed, you know, psychologist in the past and my license was still valid then it's okay for me to acknowledge that I understand what you're going through but my job is to refer you then out to a a different colleague that I would then trust because it's a conflict of interest Mm -hmm. as your boss and then also as a licensed professional and so I can acknowledge but then say this is a conflict of interest. I want to help you. And the best way that I can help you is refer you to somebody that I trust, that I've worked with. And I think this would be the best for you. But the other sort of thing to set to know is that if someone's struggling, just throwing out the word therapist and say, you need a therapist, you need therapy is also a bad move. 
Like that needs to come from that person. You can't just say, you know what? You're kind of messed up and struggling with this. I think you need a therapist and I can't help you. Like that's a terrible <laughs> idea. And that is a fireable offense. Um, how do you deal with it in situations where you do not have role power? So you are not a person's supervisor. You're not in their chain of command and things like that. You only have relationship power. Maybe your peers, maybe you work in different departments, maybe you have lunch together, whatever. Um, but you all are still working towards that common purpose of you know moving the company forward, moving your goals forward, things like that. But this person clearly is struggling mm-hmm. or these people are struggling and you do not have any kind of supervisory authority to even enact you know, of change in focus. How do you use relationship power, personal interactions and relationship power to deal with the situation? Not even to resolve it, but just to deal with the situation. If you have a good rapport with the person, if they trust you, then it's worth having that frank conversation of like, I can see that you're struggling. And unfortunately, there isn't anything I can do to help. So I think this is when we need to bring in your boss or HR or whoever the appropriate person you think might be. And, you know, if you're in a situation where that supervisor is the problem, then you need to go above and beyond that or talk to that supervisor and be like look chris is struggling and chris is struggling because he feels like you are the problem now that can go a bunch of different ways depending (laughs) on who the person is Um, Uh you know and again this is where being a people manager is just as important because you're dealing with inconsistent and unpredictable results if you think you know someone and then you say the wrong thing and they flip the switch on you you have a whole new set of issues that you have to deal with And it's, this is why a lot of companies get it wrong. This is why people feel like it's a toxic work environment or that it's abusive or that it's unhealthy because they weren't respected or they weren't heard or not listened to because it's hard. It is exhausting and it is difficult, but it is so important because at the end of the day, humans are still doing the thing. We're not going anywhere despite our efforts to self-destruct. Do we'll not, see. We'll not, we're not going to entertain that conversation right now. <laughs> that's a different show. Yes. That's a different, well, that's an, that's an AI show. We'll talk about that in yeah. another episode about AI. But <laughs> to your question about, you know, role power versus relationship power, take the word power out of it because it already kind of puts you, the person who's trying to help, you feeling like you have the upper hand in a situation. And so it's really human to human. I see that you're struggling. These are the options where I can help you. And then let's sort of like, once you go beyond that set of options, you have to recognize like, I can no longer help you or it's inappropriate for me to try to help you. So let's find someone who can. Gotcha. I guess capacity would be a good word. So you have a a role capacity Mm -hmm. as a manager to enact change, whereas in a relationship capacity, you really don't within the context of the workplace. Like you can't tell someone else's boss how to how to manage, you know, their team. uh, It's right particularly if you are on the, in the hierarchy subordinate to that, but that does not go well um, usually, but okay. So you have, you have a few different tactics to help, I guess, divert or redirect uh, people when, when they are not uh, performing optimally uh, or when they are, you know, severely impacted with, at what point do you say, okay, this is, how do you know when that line is? Because, you, you know, you talk about the boundaries. How do you know, like, that? yeah, that's the boundary? Because there is, 
much to my dismay as a person who works with AI and natural language processing, there is no technical indicator this is, okay, after this threshold, this is the boundary. Like, okay, you know, in natural language processing, you can say, okay, the top P parameter can't go above 0.7. If it does, it's going to be a problem. You can't do that with humans yet. So it sounds like you want some sort of little indicator light that goes off on the person that says, I've hit my threshold, I've hit my boundary. Like if I had a little blinking red dot in the middle <laughs> of my forehead that like, bing, and you were like, okay, hit the threshold, can't do this for, anymore. But for someone, say like me, who is less aware of other right. people, how right. do you, how is, what are some, some suggestions for recognizing like, yeah, that's a boundary, don't go past it. It's a, it's, you know, it's like anything else. If you think about it in terms of requirements gathering, um, you know, setting those expectations up front with a team member, with someone who reports to you, with someone who's a peer, um, you know, it's just good practice to do when you bring on a new employee. It's basically you're following in some ways their job description, like let me outline the expectations of your job, but then let me also outline the expectations of my job as it relates to your job. And that becomes the blueprint of when you know you're crossing a boundary line. And so, you know, Chris, in that situation, in that example, if we said, okay, Chris, your job is to speak on stage and bring in new business. And my job as your manager is to make sure that you have all the things you need to do that. You know, that's still pretty vague because that could be therapy. That could be, you know, whatever it is, some sort of counsel. Like, I don't clearly specify that that is not what I'm doing. And that's, you know, just like in requirements gathering, you need to say, these are the things we're doing. These are the things that are out of scope. And that can help the team members who are less people aware have some sort of clear guidelines like, okay, this is out of scope of my professional relationship. This is out of scope of my responsibility to keep this perfect person safe and healthy. But then you also need to know, like, if it's out of scope, but this thing is happening, what do I do about this? Do I bring in human resources? Do I bring in a supervisor who's even above me? Do I bring in a licensed professional? So all those, you need to have those things. And a good company is going to have an understanding of what that looks like. Um, a few jobs ago, um, you know, I sort of, I always complained that I worked with a bunch of academics, but those academics were all in the social work field. And so we actually had a really good, healthy set of boundaries in terms of what is and isn't appropriate in the workplace in terms of helping someone navigate their emotions in a situation because all of these academics were PsyDs. They were all in the social work field. They were all psychologists. So they very clearly understood what those boundaries were. Now, they didn't know how to run a business. That was a whole <laughs> different situation, but they knew how to deal with people, which was really interesting. And so, you know, if if you feel like you're running into situations, you may want to bring in a consultant who has a PsyD background to say, what are the boundaries that I need to be setting up with my team members? I have a lot of, you know, impressionable, emotional, you know, high strung humans that I want to make sure I'm not doing more harm to. What should I be doing? What is appropriate? What is not? Humans. Whereas, you know, so it's funny because you're sort of like, uh, humans. And I'm like, that's the part that I love. I love the psychology of it because when I start to see people winning and succeeding, that's when I get the most, you know, 
benefit from the work that I'm doing. And so if you have someone back to your original question about how do you keep people focused and productive? Again, I, I go back to thinking about it's like requirements gathering, you set up milestones. And so if someone's feeling, you know, overwhelmed, or stressed out or exhausted, whatever the thing is, you do for them the same thing you kind of do for yourself, which is okay, so you have this big task ahead of you, rather than getting overwhelmed by it. Let's set up milestones for you to be hitting on a regular basis on a day to day, even hour to hour. And if that person still can't hit those milestones, then that's when you know that the focus and productivity is out the window. And that becomes a different conversation. And so you give them the tools to set them up for success and say, what do you feel you are capable of doing? And this is what we as the company need from you. So is there a middle ground? Is there a way that we can work together to keep moving things forward? And if not, that's a different conversation. Gotcha. So it sounds like um, there are tools, but the first set of tools that anyone in any position where you have responsibility uh, needs to build, if you don't have those tools already, is those boundaries. And then once you have those mm -hmm. boundaries, you can understand what you can and can't do. Then you can bring out the various different tools like coaching mm -hmm. or milestone setting or uh, you know variable task management to help those people accomplish as much as they're capable of doing in the situation that they're in. And with that, and this is where a lot of people managers fall down themselves is my expectation of what you're capable of, Chris, and what you're actually capable of might be two different things. And so recognizing that me as a people manager putting my expectations on you might also be detrimental. And so I as the people manager really have to take my feelings, my opinions out of the conversation and really just focus on you as the individual contributor to understand here's what you are actually capable of. Now, easier said than done, the company may have expectations that they expect you to be meeting and that does need to be part of the conversation. But you also just need to recognize like maybe this person is never going to be an A plus player. Maybe they're a B player. Maybe they're a C player, but that's okay because there is still value in that because it moves things forward just in a different way. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think I have enough uh, things to at least give some thought to uh, regarding a, a particular group of people. Uh, if you have some things you would like to chat about uh, within your own boundaries, please join our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,200 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you'd rather have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. You can find us on most channels. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.